Welcome to the FDF podcast, passionate about food and drink. Welcome to the FDF podcast, passionate about food and drink. I'm Helen Monday and I'm the FDF's Chief Scientific Officer and I'm joined today by my colleagues Emma and Skye. Emma, Skye, why don't you introduce yourselves? I'm Emma, um, I'm the Sustainability Executive at the Food and Drink Federation. I'm Skye Aldermans and I'm Sustainability Executive focusing on packaging and plastic. As you have probably gathered, we're here to talk about sustainability um, today and the FDF has just produced uh, some new reports uh, summing up the achievements of our members over the last few years and also um, setting some new ambition as well in these areas. So we're going to talk about progress so far and what's coming next. So Emma and Sky, what are the biggest achievements highlighted in the FDF's progress report? Our members have come a long way since 2016 um, with notable reductions in CO2 emissions, water use and food waste within manufacturing operations. This year we were able to report that our members have achieved a 55% reduction in CO2 emissions between 1990 and 2019. That means that they met our ambition 2025 target five years early. And also between 2007 and 2019, reporting FDF members reduced their absolute water consumption by 41.5%. We also often work with partners such as RAP who have greater access to the broader supply chain. This report also highlights how our members have contributed to programmes such as the Food Waste Reduction Roadmap, the UK Plastics Pact, and the Courthold 2025 Water Ambition. We've also done a lot of work engaging on topics of packaging and plastic this year. Um, so we've continued to build relationships with key stakeholders um, and UK governments, including through our engagement on the plastic packaging tax, which is an ongoing process and which we've done another podcast on actually. Um, uh, so responding to the consultation on that and reviewing the draft legislation as well as undertaking advocacy on um, PRN prices, supporting the UK Plastic Pact, and we launched some new guidelines on using recycled content in plastic packaging applications. We put together that guidance with some partners in the supply chain. I mean, it's uh, it's clear, isn't it, that sustainability issues, environmental um, considerations are, are really uh, hot topics um, it, universally. Uh, at, at the moment. Um, so um, citizens are very interested in these topics and we know that that has driven a lot of the interest in um, plastic packaging, for example. Um, and and it's good news, of course, that our ambition covers many of the topics um, that are seen as key ones um, on, on the on the the bigger stage, if you like, of uh, sustainability and uh, and the environment, and I guess that uh, the the area of carbon is something that we're seeing um, becoming more and more in the uh, uh, getting the spotlight at the moment. Partly because of the um, COP twenty six that will come up later um, this year, and the whole net zero discussion comes into that uh, that carbon area, doesn't it? So um, so that's really good that the um the ambition covers all of those uh, those topics and can you tell us about how our members are meeting the ambitions that have been set out under the ambition 
And I understand that we've got some really interesting case studies that illustrate some of the work that they're doing. Yeah, we definitely do. Uh, Each year, the FDF puts out a call um, for case studies for members, asking them to demonstrate how they are delivering against the Ambition 2025. This year, we received 10 case studies from member companies on carbon emissions, plastics and packaging, food waste and sustainable supply chains. By no means are these case studies an exhaustive list of what our members are doing in the sustainability space. And personally, I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes out this year. Like like you said, Helen, in light of Net Zero and COP26. Also, we have the Environment Bill and this concept of a green recovery post-COVID is really growing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the uh, the case studies and uh, those who are interested can access those on our uh, website, can't they? Um, they really bring to life the work that is uh, is going on. And some of it you can see, it just makes a lot of sense to, to do it. it uh, it's probably... It saves money for the business as well as um, driving the right uh, environmental um, impacts, um, i.e. having less impact on the environment. Um, but also you can see as well that in some cases there's an awful lot of uh, investment that's had to go in, capital investment, to to drive these these changes. I mean, these are not things that in the the day-to-day operations of a of a business they would have done if they hadn't been making a supreme effort to actually make progress in these areas so that's um that's great to see it and and the other thing as well which i reflected on looking at the case studies is that we have a really nice cross section of different types of businesses uh from from the really small businesses up to the really big businesses so you know it's it's not it's not just a subset of our sector that is uh, is active on this. You can't say there's a typical sort of business that is uh, engaging. It, it really goes across the board, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. So um, in terms of uh, the, the uh, ambition, um, we're at the midpoint of this. And we've done a midterm review as well as doing a progress report, haven't we? Can you tell me about why we have felt it's necessary to do this midterm review? What does that look like? And what do the ambitions, uh, how have we adjusted the ambitions based on that midterm review? So like you mentioned, the midterm review is very much in the middle. Uh, so we initially launched our the set of ambitions in 2016. And it's and set of ambitions to 2025. So at 2020, we felt like we were at the midpoint and it was worth um, kind of checking in on the ambitions. And so the purpose really was to ensure that they remain true to the objective of delivering a more sustainable food system, but also accurately reflected the policy drivers we were seeing um, and enabled us to retain our leadership role on behalf of the sector. So we also wanted to make sure that we were being aligned with global and national work that's going on and that in producing this report and in working towards these ambitions, we were continuing to add value to our members and to society. So um, we wanted to make sure that we're reflecting things like the net zero emissions law, Brexit, um, government plans to overhaul the waste management system, 
And then also that we're being aligned with things like the National Food Strategy and the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Um, and finally, I think there's, we noticed that we were making pro good progress towards our carbon ambition. I think it's already been mentioned, but we had set ourselves a target of 55% reduction. And in 2020, we achieved a 55.5% reduction in carbon emissions. So following this review, which we conducted over the course of last year, with input from members um, and also based on a review of what was going on in kind of the sustainability landscape. We have produced a midterm uh, review report which sets out some amended ambitions. So it's not a new set of ambitions, it's not you know a radical departure, but it gave us a chance to update the ones we felt most relevant. So for example, our carbon ambition has been shifted to achieving a 60% absolute reduction in CO2 emissions by 2025. Uh, we've also updated, crucially, our packaging and plastics ambition to really represent the sea change that has happened in the past five years on this topic, and also to reflect the ongoing government reform and the package that we are seeing to make sure that we are, you know, working ambitiously and not just, you know, kind of going with what's already going on. Um, so we updated these very broadly and they're available on our website and from this year, so 2021, we'll be reporting against these revised ambitions. Really interesting. So uh, essentially, I guess, we have made quicker progress um, pretty much across the board than we had expected to five years ago, which I'm sure is a reflection of everything that we've already um, talked about. And rather than rest on our laurels, we've said, right, OK, so we still want to work on the same things, but we want to have a look and see whether we can push ourselves um, uh, further on those, especially on those where we've already um, achieved what we said we were going to achieve. And I know having been part of those discussions as well, we in some cases looked at whether the uh, the measures were the, were the right ones. So on things like food waste, we talked a lot about um, zero to landfill, but we, we're, we're now able to, to look more at that hierarchy of, of food waste, aren't we, rather than just looking at uh, trying to, um, the avoidance of the worst case scenario, which is, is, is the landfill thing, which for a while we've been sending nothing to, to, to landfill. So, um, so in all cases, we've really um, pushed ourselves along with these ambitions, haven't we? And how, exactly. was, how, how and was the discussion with uh, with member companies about this? Was this uh, something that they were definitely up for? Were they uh, was there quite a, a lot of debate about it? And how how did that work? There was um, a lot of enthusiasm for being remaining ambitious with these. 10 years is a long time frame, so it can be hard to predict what's going to happen, how things are going to evolve. So there was um, definitely an enthusiasm for making sure that we are remaining in a leadership position. We are involved uh, and not just kind of following where things are doing, but contributing to best practice. And we also felt with this review that we wanted to make sure that we are aligned and working closely with partners across the value chain. Um, so Emma has already mentioned RAP and the Food Waste Reduction Roadmap. Um, 
their target measure act approach. So making sure we are doing our best and not being um, not being precious about about what we're doing and how we're how how we're acting. I think really taking advantage of the best practice that is out there and the expertise of our membership, but also the value chain to really deliver the best possible outcomes. So that's really, uh, really interesting to to hear. And and I think one of the things that's always been incredibly important to us is that there's that um, best practice transfer. So where one company is doing it well, um, we can share that. Emma, have you seen this particularly in the areas that you're working on? Yeah, I think uh, carbon emissions definitely is an area of growing interest for our members with the net zero. And uh, there's a great deal of ambition to go further and to contribute to this wider piece of work. Uh, so on Courthold, we're working with RAP on the Courthold 2025 Water Ambition. And our members have been greatly involved and keen to get involved in Collective Action Water Project. And we're looking forward to working with RAP in the future to develop a water roadmap. And this will not only encourage members to look at efficiency, but also get involved in those real uh, issues in the supply chain as well. And, you know, you've already alluded to it, but this is going to be an exceptionally busy period that we've got coming towards us with um government consultations, the um, the discussions about extended producer responsibility. Um, a, a lot of these things converge um, when these types of uh, consultations and government actions are, are going on. So I, I know it's going to be an incredibly busy um, year. And we will, of course, uh, keep focused on the ambition because uh, the ambition is our way of demonstrating everything that we've been been working on. And I'm sure we'll work with members um, throughout uh, this coming year so that when we come to report this time next year, we've still got good progress to uh, to to demonstrate through through the progress report but i'm sure you know we're delighted to be able to um uh, release these uh, these figures at the moment and i'm sure our our members can you know take a an awful lot of uh, pleasure from seeing them too and and pride in in what they've achieved and and know that you know individual companies are not doing this just by themselves that it's the sector as, as a whole that keeps um, keeps moving so fantastic. I look forward to seeing what the numbers look like next year. And I'm sure we will have great progress to report upon then too. So thanks for your time today, Sky and Emma. And Thank you, Emma. I look forward to talking to you another time. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this FDF podcast. FDF is the voice of the food and drink industry, supporting our members with the expertise to develop, grow and strengthen their business. To learn more about how we can help your business, contact us at members.inquiries at fdf.org.uk. There's no better time to become an FDF member.